Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hi, everyone. Today, we're kicking off another episode of Rethink Retail with my guest, Jesse Rag. Jesse is the co-founder and managing director at eChameleon, a software company designed to help retailers take advantage of global marketplaces without becoming overly reliant on Amazon. That's a big one. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Let's start out. So you are based in Germany right now, and I'd like to just hear a bit more about your background and your journey to co-founding eChameleon. So I'm, I'm based here in Germany, actually, in the Old East in the city called Leipzig, which is about an hour and a half south of Berlin. But I am originally from the UK. I did live in Australia for five years before moving to Germany, where I was working in real estate, actually, of all things. And When I landed in Germany, I wanted to get into a bit of a different industry, something a little bit more to do with internationalization. And funnily enough, I landed in an e-commerce agency, which was specialized in helping retailers to expand internationally, specifically in marketplaces called Intercultural Elements. And so it was while working there as head of sales that my now business partner, he was my boss at the time, he and I basically came together and founded eChameleon with what was originally an internal software at this agency. We decided to bring the software to the market as a solution that people could use in-house to get similar end results, but without having to go through the agency model. Because we noticed a lot of people, a lot of retailers especially, didn't want to outsource their marketplace work. They wanted to be able to sell on multiple marketplaces, but they wanted their teams to be able to manage the process. So Edward, my partner, my business partner and I, we founded eChameleon. We raised venture capital seed funding at the end of 2019. And we brought eChameleon as a software product to market March this year, just in time for a global pandemic. Right, right. And I know, Jesse, this is really interesting because you said you learned that retailers do want to develop their skills in-house for how to manage their products and sales on marketplaces. I know you guys do offer some service components at eChameleon, but would you say overall you would recommend that's the better path for retailers? Yeah, absolutely. So we do offer some service purely because of our background. We are, you know, we, we We've come out of a service agency. So, you know, we do understand that a lot of businesses do kind of want that handhold approach. But I think when you go to an agency, to use the old adage, you get given a fish. Um, whereas by preparing and giving a retailer a software that they can use themselves, we're trying to sort of teach them how to fish. We're giving mm-hmm. them the tools that they need to do the work that they want to do. In this case, obviously, to be able to sell on multiple marketplaces around the world, regardless of what internal expertise they've got. Absolutely. And it's crazy because you jumped from real estate to head of sales at an agency and B2B software. So would you say there's any similarities between things you learned in real estate in Australia and and jumping into that new role? I definitely wouldn't buy a house on a marketplace. (laughs) Well, that could be the future, though, Jesse. Who knows? It could. It it really could. No, you're right. Honestly, um, no, I think that the main thing that I've sort of taken away from all of this is it's all about people. You know, people want to buy 
from people. And that's something that, you know, it was always true when I was selling houses, like, sure, I was the real estate agent, but the people that wanted to buy the houses, they always wanted to meet the owners. They wanted to be shown through. They wanted to hear from the owner why they built the house in a particular way or why the garden was laid out like that. And they want to understand and meet the people that were there to have this kind of connection with the people whose home they were taking over. And bringing it into the context of e-commerce, this is also something that you see quite a lot where consumers do want to have a relationship with the people that they're buying from. And I think this is one of the downsides, I guess, of marketplaces in general is that you do run the risk of losing that connection with a consumer. If you're an average Joe buyer and you just jump on Amazon looking to buy the a new yoga mat, fine, you're going to find 50,000 retailers all offering pretty much the same yoga mat, all made in the same manufacturer somewhere in China. But I'll jump in there because I want to ask Jesse, like there is a demand for marketplaces. And even though you might lose some of that human touch, nearly 60% of e-commerce last year came from marketplaces. So it's growing rapidly. And why do you think that is? Yeah, absolutely right. And, and the thing is as well, you know, more than, I think it was about 52% of product searches began on Amazon. Wow. So people are, you know, they're not even going to Google and typing in what they're looking for anymore. They're going directly to Amazon. And I think that's pretty scary. And, it, you know, it obviously says you need to be selling on marketplaces because you need to be where your buyers are. And it's about the experience that you can give that buyer. You shouldn't be just another Amazon seller. You should have good customer service. You should have obviously, you know, nice packaging. You should have a good experience for the consumer. You know, the some of the best products that I've bought or some of the best consumer experiences I've had when buying on Amazon have been when it's come in a nice box, when it's been well packaged. It's not just tons of plastic and I open the box and I feel bad, like I'm destroying the world's sea turtle population by buying this new pair of headphones or something. It's a good experience that the buyer needs to have with you as a retailer and the marketplace simply generates a platform for you to be able to do that. And I think that's another really important differentiation to make as well is, you know, between a platform and a marketplace where, you know, you could look at a typical platform, be it a website or, or a brick and mortar store, even, you know, it's where you, you're trying to generate the sales here. Whereas a marketplace doesn't focus on generating the sales per se, it focuses on generating the traffic allowing you as a retailer to make the sales. And obviously there's differences with different marketplaces. Amazon, of course, also offer their own products. They compete against retailers. It's what puts a lot of retailers, rightly so, off of selling on Amazon. But there are a number of marketplaces out there which offer very exclusive direct access to exactly the kind of buyers that you'd want to reach. A great example of sort of these niche marketplaces is, is in the US. You know, you've got Chewy.com is kind of a go-to place for pet food and pet supplies and things like that. If you've got a dog or, or a pet, you might go to Chewy.com and find what you're looking for, probably quicker or maybe better quality than what you would find on Amazon. And certainly with a lot less searching around through all of the noise. That's also true in pretty much every niche category. There's new marketplaces popping up for most niches around the world. And even Etsy, one of the most popular marketplaces these days, started life as a niche for artists and people who are producing handmade or one-of-a-kind sort of items. As we're moving into kind of a marketplace-dominated arena of e-commerce, there are more and more niche marketplaces popping up. And what that means for retailers is they do have an opportunity to be where their consumers are without having to necessarily sell just on Amazon or just on eBay and kind of be stuck in a loop of becoming too reliant on them. I think one of the things about Amazon is, you know, of course, it's a marketplace where you should be offering products. You, you should definitely have listings there. You should have a presence on it. But the thing is, I'm such a anti-Amazon person myself. I really don't like the way they operate. I don't like the way that they 
run their business. I don't like the way that they treat their employees. I don't like the impact it has on the environment or the fact that they basically dodge taxes wherever they operate. It is really the fundamental part of certainly my motivation for Ecomelian is to make it easier for people to sell on marketplaces which aren't Amazon. And I think, you know, in addition to all of the other reasons that I just mentioned, by getting onto non-Amazon marketplaces and actually having success there, you're contributing to something that's a little bit more than just an individual business success. You're contributing to that marketplace and all the other marketplaces that you're selling on and, and basically giving Amazon a bit of a stick in the side. And it's a bit of a motivation. As I said, it's my personal motivation is really to try and take some of those sales, which might otherwise be happening on Amazon and let them happen on a smaller marketplace that isn't just going into funding Mr. Bezos's latest hobby. And that's probably something on a lot of retailers' minds is becoming, you know, the fear of becoming too reliant on Amazon and betting that they'll probably continue to be a top player, but there's hundreds of other marketplaces. So it's interesting to hear you say that you probably should be getting on to the niche marketplaces as well as the big players like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, if, if that's a good fit, that's more of the niche, but they're expanding as well, hugely. I would want to take a step back and think about the differences between brands and retailers, because there's been a lot of discussion in recent years about how that's actually merging in a lot of circumstances. How do you differentiate it when it comes to marketplaces, the role of a brand and a retailer? Good question. I think it's a little bit different. It depends a bit on the marketplace. Certainly, you can look at Amazon. You obviously have, as a brand, a lot more opportunity to market your products. You can use A plus content. If you are successful enough as a seller and you become a vendor to Amazon, you know, you unlock even more sort of advanced marketing options. But definitely just as a brand, there's a whole slew of potential marketing options that you can use to really promote the branded products. And I think where a lot of brands get stuck here is that they then think they also have to add inventory to that. I talk to quite a few brands and, and something that I encourage a lot of retailers that I talk to as well is simply use Amazon as a marketing channel, not necessarily as a sales channel. You've got this very traditional model of brands selling to distributors and suppliers and then being resold onto uh, retailers. Obviously, sometimes you have the retailers purchasing directly from the brands, depending on the individual setup. You know, you see a lot of retailers getting concerned about brands kind of cutting them out and going directly to the consumer. And the best way that they can avoid that from happening really is by doing a good job of selling the products themselves on marketplaces and, and collaborating with the brands rather than competing with them. You know, talk to your representative at the brand and, you know, see if you can get an exclusive deal to be the only person allowed to sell this particular product or product range on Marketplace X, be it Amazon or, or somewhere else. But let them provide good marketing content. You know, the reason a lot of brands are starting to go direct to consumer is because marketplaces make it hard for a retailer to market the product in a way that is consistent with how the brand is marketing it. I was talking to someone at Adidas at a conference in March, and they were telling me about this specific pair of shoes that Adidas creates. And it was basically designed to be worn with another particular really high-end pair of socks. I oh. didn't realize there were lots of different <laughs> socks, but apparently that's the thing. But basically, they were really struggling with the fact that the retailers were selling these shoes without this sort of notification that it should only be worn with these socks. And it was selling the socks without 
sort of a notification that it should only be worn with those shoes. It meant that people were buying the shoes and having a bad experience and, you know, not getting what they expected out of the shoes because they weren't pairing them with the correct socks. I love this example. I mean, who would have thought something so simple would be something that leaders at Adidas are concerned about, right? Like, oh, they're not pairing the sock with the shoe. It seems simple, but it actually is things like that are driving big decisions. Absolutely. And the thing as well, though, is, you know, when you look at a brand, whether it's a behemoth the size of Adidas or if it's just a small mom and pop brand, there's usually somebody sitting there who's taking the time to really carefully think about how do we actually want to market our product? What message do we want to give to the consumer? How do we want to be portrayed in the market? And it can be anything from you know the, the general big picture, what is our brand? Who are we? What's our story? Right the way through to, do we want to call our product blue, marine blue, navy blue, light blue, or dark blue? You have big conversations within these brands about which of these words they want to use to describe the product. The problem that a lot of brands then don't realize is that if they've agreed on marine blue, Amazon only allows for this particular feed product type, you know, subcategory, navy blue, the retailer won't be able to create listing on Amazon by using marine blue. They would have to use navy blue. And mm-hmm. so what happens then is there's a disconnect between what the brand wants, how the brand wants their products to be marketed and how the retailer is being forced to market it in order to be able to sell on the world's largest sales cha- or sorry, the Western world's largest sales channel. And then it causes this friction where the brands go, oh, we don't like marketplaces because it cheapens our brand. We don't like the way that our products are represented there. And it's like, well, your products end up on these marketplaces anyway. Mm -hmm. Brands and the retailers should be collaborating on the creation of these listings to make sure that everyone's sort of happy with it. Does it match the message that the brand is trying to send? Is the retailer able to quickly and easily handle this? Or should the brand content team or whoever it is be doing this for them because everyone's going to benefit. The retailer is going to make more sales. The buyer is going to be able to find the products they want. They're going to see it how they expect to see it. They're going to get the information that they want about the product to be able to make an informed decision and then not have to return it six weeks later. And best of all, you know, everyone's going to make money off of it. All of the the marketplaces are going to be happy because they're getting the sales. They're getting more consumers going there. The brand's going to be happy because the retailers are making more sales and therefore purchasing more products. It's you know, a win-win-win. It's a win-win-win, but I would say, you know, you said brands and retailers should be collaborating. So there's this communication. Would you say the burden falls equally on both of them or more on one than the other? It's a really good question because there are very strong points for both. Typically in a traditional brand retailer relationship, the retailer is the one who has the experience with actually talking to the consumer and presenting the information to the consumer. But obviously, you know, the 21st century brands have an online presence. They have content available. They have information about their products. Often the only thing that's missing when it comes to marketplaces is a know-how about the marketplaces. Again, this is sort of where the chameleon comes in. This is one of the barriers that we're trying to sort of break down is making it easier for people to sell on marketplaces. But when it comes to a brand or a retailer and who should be creating the product listings, it really comes down to the individual relationship. I personally am a fan of, certainly for Amazon, having the brand create it because you can have a brand create these fantastic listings with great A-plus content with so many graphics and images. And then the retailers simply have to add their price and their shipping rate and you know they're off. They're starting to sell it. And they're going to sell way more than they would if they were creating the listings themselves because they're not dealing with listing errors. Everything goes up straight away because the listings already exist. And obviously for the brand, if they then want to make changes to the listing, 
they've got brand registry, they simply make the change. They don't have to, in most cases, they don't have to then argue with Amazon about what is allowed to be said about the product. As long as they say, yep, we are this brand, we are the companies that produces this product, they can change the listing how they want to. Absolutely. I love how you answered that, Jesse, because it does seem like that's where we're headed. And if there's anyone representing a brand who's listening, I hope they uh, heed the advice and try their best to help retailers because you're right. Retailers historically were the experts in communicating with consumers. I think they still are. There's other channels outside of marketplaces where they're still selling your products. So From your experience working with retail clients, what are some challenges that they face when they're entering a new marketplace? Do you have any examples of this from the work you've done at eChameleon? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest challenge is probably justifying putting the work into starting to sell on a new marketplace without any evidence of an ROI. And it's kind of a catch-22 where... Obviously, you're not going to get the sales from a new marketplace until you put the work in to actually get start selling on the marketplace. But when you have, in a typical situation, a, a retailer, certainly in my experience, a lot of retailers that we speak to, they'll be getting you know anywhere from 60 to 95% of their revenue coming from Amazon or maybe wow. Amazon and eBay. And obviously, it depends a little bit on their overall business strategy. But if they're only an online business or if you know their only online presence is on marketplaces, it's quite a dangerous position to be in because all you have to do is you know miss one delivery or forget to mark an item as dispatched. And you run the risk of Amazon shutting down your account for potentially weeks or at least as long as it takes to create an appeal. So there are a number of reasons to expand into other marketplaces. But at the same time, none of these other marketplaces are Amazon. You know, There's a reason that nobody's talking about Etsy in the same way as they talk about Amazon. And, you know, obviously Walmart is growing well in the US and there's a marketplace in the UK called OnBuy, which is also sort of snapping at the heels of Amazon and is really exciting to see how they're growing as well. But you do have to be, when you're looking at marketplace diversification, you have to kind of go into it knowing that none of these are going to be the next Amazon for you. But that doesn't mean they're not worth selling on. Obviously, if it's going to take five hours to create listings on Amazon, and five hours to create listings on eBay, and five hours for OnBuy, and for C Discount, and for Real, and for Otto, and Zalando, and Walmart, and so on and so forth. The ROI is definitely better on Amazon. But if you can find a way of creating a process that works for all of these channels, and actually making, you know, reducing the amount of time it takes to sell on each of those channels, then it's absolutely worth being on all of them. Every one of these channels is a completely different process. Amazon, a typical Amazon title is around 250 characters, whereas on eBay, a typical title is 80 characters. So you obviously you can't just take your Amazon title and put it on eBay. And you know it's not very good to sort of just chop off the end of the title so that it fits on eBay. So that means you need to then have one Amazon title and one eBay title, and then an on-buy title and a Walmart title, and then an Amazon color and an eBay color and a Walmart color. And of course, if you're doing this across thousands of SKUs with variations, it becomes, you know, a massive time sink. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So this is where a lot of retailers then just start looking at it and going, you know what, we've got other parts of our business to run. We're on Amazon, that's fine, it's enough. But they could have maybe a first mover advantage by getting on these other niche marketplaces that are growing. And even the ones that are well-established. You know, there's a great marketplace in, in Germany called Real, where like it's the British, the English spelling is real, R-E-A-L. But it's a good, strong, solid marketplace. It's a household name in Germany from a brick and mortar perspective. It's a very similar history and story to Walmart in the US, where you have an established brick and mortar presence. It's a household name across Germany. And no, it's not Amazon, 
but they opened up as a marketplace. They were already getting traffic. And suddenly when they opened up to third-party sellers, these third-party sellers that were on there and started doing well and taking advantage of all the advertising methods and promoted listings and things like that, they do still make a good number of sales. No, they don't sell as much on Real as they do on Amazon. If you've got 20 grand a week coming in from one channel and 100 grand a week coming in from another channel, it's still a good position to be in. Absolutely. And it seems like, you know, there's so many. And if I was a retailer, I would definitely go to an agency if I was planning on getting on multiple platforms, because like you said, there's so much that goes into each. It's hard to be an expert at everything, right? So Jesse, I'd like to wrap up our conversation with stating the elephant in the room that the retail industry really is in a state of massive transformation. And it's been a wild roller coaster of a year. What do you think, if you're speculating, is ahead for marketplaces in the next five to 10 years? That's a really good question. And obviously, I don't have a crystal ball. But what I can definitely say is that my forecast for marketplaces and also e-commerce in general, I think for the next 10 years hasn't necessarily changed because of COVID. It's certainly been brought forward probably about four years. One thing that we've already been seeing a lot in the last three or four years is a growth of new marketplaces. You know, we talked a little bit about niche marketplaces, category specific or country specific marketplaces that are sort of holding their own against Amazon or the big players, so to say, within their category. And they are attractive opportunities for people to be selling their products on. This is growing. There's more and more and more of these marketplaces. And I think, you know, if you go back in time, 50 years, and you look at where we used to buy things, and we go to the greengrocers to buy vegetables, or we'd go to the fishmonger to buy fish products, or the butcher to buy meat, and then along came the supermarket, and you just had one place to go to buy everything. And I think that's sort of the circle that we've entered into where now with marketplaces, Amazon or Walmart or wherever it is that you want to buy your products, you have these places where you can go and buy everything. But what's happening is is that you're getting these niche marketplaces pop up. You've got Chewy where you can go and buy your dog food and you've got Etsy where you can go and buy nice art and craft products made by people who have actually put a bit of time and care into something and it's not just come off of a production line. As these niche marketplaces are coming up and as they are growing and they're succeeding, this is, I think, where we're heading towards But at the same time, it is going to be a never-ending circle where you're going to then see all of these niche marketplaces again, eventually kind of amalgamate back into whatever is sort of the next step for Amazon, the next step for Walmart, where they kind of become an amalgamation and you start seeing maybe slightly larger niches where it's not one for dog food, but one for everything to do with pets. In terms of where marketplaces in general are heading, though, they're exploding. And it's because that's where consumers are going. They know that that's where they can go and find everything. And by that same metric, it's where brands and retailers are starting to offer their products. Because sure, you can get it on Shopify and you can have a nice website and get things up and running. But then you've got to think about traffic. Or you can just go onto a marketplace where the traffic already exists. And you can just try and get your products in front of the consumers who are already there and already looking for their products. So marketplaces are definitely here to stay. They're going to continue growing and they're definitely worth being on, uh, especially going into the early 2020s. Well said, Jesse. And I'd like to end this by two more questions. One is what is the best piece of advice you would give to retailers today? Diversify. Absolutely get onto as many marketplaces as possible. Do it properly. Make sure that you're looking at which marketplaces are actually suitable for your products, but just get as many of your listings onto as many marketplaces as you can, because 
you just have to look through the Amazon Seller Central forums and you see how frequent an account suspension is. If it hasn't happened to you yet, obviously I hope it doesn't, but it's really, especially now coming into Q4, it really is only a matter of time in some categories. But also if you're not on marketplaces at all, give it a try. You know, even if it's just with a small sample of your product range, just look at what options there are to create marketplace listings that do reflect the way that you're managing the rest of your business and launch on there and start slow, but get your listings onto these channels that focus on bringing the traffic because it's just one less thing that you have to worry about. Great. And then I'd like to end with a little trivia. So this is my question for you. Do you know which brand invented running shoes? You know, I should know that because I listened to an audiobook called No Logos at the moment, and it was a topic on that, but I don't. Yes, you do. Because I don't think it was Nike. It was not. My head went straight to Nike because that's just the power of their brand. I want to say Puma. Close. It was Adidas or Adidas, <laughs> which we've talked about a few times this episode, which is why I wanted to ask. But you were close. You knew it wasn't Nike. That's important. I think a lot of people would answer Nike. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really should know that because I heard it in an audiobook not a week ago. Excellent. Well, Jesse, you are an expert on marketplaces. You have a very vibrant personality and life. You're converting a van right now and you've traveled all around the world. I feel like a lot of people would want to get in touch with you who listen to this podcast today. So if so, where can they find you? The best place to find me really is LinkedIn. I don't really use other social media. I mean, I have Instagram, but that's about it. So yeah, LinkedIn is generally the best way to get in touch with me. Or if you want to book in a call to talk about eChameleon directly, then obviously our website has like a little book a demo button. Otherwise, yeah, just ping me a message on LinkedIn and, and I'm always happy to chat about anything really. Excellent. Jesse Rag, co-founder and managing director at eChameleon. It was great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Julia. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.